Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Uh, the enemy, the enemy is at the drawing board, uh, coming up with a way to mess up and ruin your life, and he doesn't want you to be a conqueror. It's the last thing he wants from you, and the enemy is often working harder to destroy us than we are working to keep it from happening, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, we're finishing this series tonight on more than a conqueror, being more than a conqueror. Uh, In the next two weeks, we've got some amazing Christmas services planned for you Uh, next weekend. And the weekend after that is Christmas weekend. We'll have our five regularly scheduled uh, weekend services, the Saturday night, the Sunday morning, the whole thing. And then we're going to come back on Christmas Eve and that afternoon do three Christmas Eve services that will be different from that weekend. All three of those will be identical, though, to each other. And uh, it's going to be a family-friendly thing. We'll have nursery and pre-K uh, but it's going to be a family-friendly thing that uh, we want everyone to be together for uh, that afternoon. So we hope we've, uh, there's a service time that fits for you. We hope to see you then. Um, there's a lot of opportunities, a lot of opportunities this Christmas to go and tell, to have gospel conversations. I was talking with someone this afternoon who's not a believer, doesn't go to church, talked with them many times, and it was like all of a sudden the open door. It was just the door was wide open, and it was like, Rylan, if you don't walk through this door, like how is it, like it's just teed up right there, hanging right in the air. It's amazing. You need to be looking for those gospel conversation opportunities in this season. People who uh, normally don't even think about God are thinking about God. People who would regularly never even think of going to church uh, would go to church. Lots of people would come to church if they just had an invite. They just don't, they just don't know where to go. They don't even know where to begin. Uh, so maybe you've already had some of those. Maybe you're going to have some of those. Uh, make sure to write on a ping pong ball, drop it in the wall out there. Uh, I'd love to fill up that thing by the end of the year. So um, we'll have some invite cards next weekend uh, for the big Christmas thing in two weeks uh, that you can use as well. Um, just some other things I wanted to tell you about. We're doing this celebration offering. We've been talking about that. Uh, you guys have uh, given over 18000 almost $19,000 to the celebration offering uh, in these last few weeks. Yeah, you can clap for that. Way to go, guys. That's awesome. Very great. And uh, we're... Uh, giving that most of that away. Actually, so far, everything that we've given in or brought in, we're giving away to ministries and missionaries and missions. And then we're giving $10,000 to a church, New Creation Church, uh, planting in Chicago. Uh, So I'm actually going to go up there next weekend and surprise them with that gift and uh, meet with uh, Pastor Ricky Brown and the whole thing. So we're so excited uh, to be partnering with them, to be helping with them. It's so amazing to be part of a generous church. It's more blessed, Jesus said, to give than to receive. And it's just so amazing to be part of a giving church. Also, we got Maddie Bennett with us this weekend. She's uh, set up a table in the lobby. Maddie uh, is a missionary in the Philippines, and she works with teenage girls who have aged out of the foster system. So uh, many times what happens is they'll age out of the foster system, and then they're just, I mean, just thrown out. And uh, so she helps them make that transition and stepped into uh, an amazing need there and ministers uh, to um, those girls. So uh, she'd be glad to visit with you. Uh, Again, she's got a table in the lobby. 
But so far in this sermon series, we've been talking about how to conquer certain things, certain topics, certain things in our lives. And we've talked about how when you're a conqueror, that's great because you have victory over the negative thing in your life, but that's not what the Bible says you are. The Bible says you're more than a conqueror. And that's because you can take the negative thing in your life and actually turn it around to serve you, to serve you to become more like Christ, to serve you in helping other people, to serve you in making a difference. And we've looked at three big topics so far. We've looked at labels, you know, our, our identity, who we are. Uh, we've looked at despair. How are we going to react to the hopeless circumstances and situations in our lives? And temptation, how are we going to conquer temptation? Not just confess our sin, but actually conquer it before it gets to sin. How are we going to conquer temptation? And this weekend, I just felt called to, to zoom out and to zoom away from a specific topic and talk about a theme that's kind of been rising in, in our sermons lately, and that is that the, the battle that we're in. The Bible says that we are in a battle, that there's a very real enemy, and that enemy attacks us different ways. We're going to talk today about spiritual warfare. We've been talking a lot about the war that's going on, and too many Christians just aren't even engaged in a very real war that's happening. And the Bible has a lot to say about this. Jump in with me in Ephesians chapter 6. It says, finally, and say these two words with me. Be strong. Come on, say them with me again. Be strong. That's two words you see throughout scripture. Take courage, stand strong, stand firm in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Dress, dress for this battle regularly so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The devil is scheming to destroy your life. Take your stand against his schemes for our struggle is not against our next door neighbor and his dog. <laughs> our struggle is not against our spouse or an ex. It's not against our boss. It's not against a politician. It's not against the person who's ridiculing you or bullying you. It's not against the person who's trying to get your kids hooked on drugs. It's not against the person who's stealing from you. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil. And then you get this four-word phrase that's used four times in the book of Ephesians alone, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, in the heavenly realms. So as if to say there's another realm than the one that we're experiencing right now, which there is. There is another realm. You've, you know it. You've sensed it. I, some of the things you just can't explain. I mean, the tragedies, the thing You've lived long enough to know that some of that junk that happens is not random. It, it's, it's not random. It happens at certain times. It happens at opportune times. It could not be coincidental. There's another realm. There's a supernatural battle of good and evil. That's just how the Bible portrays life. And we know it. This is why superhero movies cannot fail. This is why these movies, even when there's a bad one, no matter how bad they are, they cannot fail. 
they just keep breaking box office records because we're dying for a dose of reality. People are dying to see reality. And so we'll sit through a horrible movie with all these explosions and all these kinds of things just to get a dose of reality. And we think reality, we think the world is complex. We think reality is complex. It's not. It's black and white. It's supernatural good fighting supernatural evil. It's black and white. That's what's real. That's what's fundamentally real in the world. And all the complexity, all the shades of gray that we bring to it just obscure the black and white truth that Jesus came. First John 3 tells us why did Jesus came? Jesus come. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. It's a black and white truth. That's what's fundamentally real. Verse 13, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, and it's coming, Ryland, be more positive. I'm positive it's coming, (laughs) that you'll be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, which is the end goal, to be able to stand in the fight you're fighting, what would it be like if you could actually If we could give you what the Bible says about spiritual warfare, and instead of being a casualty of it, you could win these battles. You could be a conqueror. That's the goal. And I'm going to share with you some of the things that many Christians, many Christians would even tell you, that just freaks me out, that scares me, I don't want to talk about that, but I'd be a bad pastor. I'd do you a disservice if I didn't teach you these verses and teach on this topic. There's a verse that actually encourages me to do this, Ephesians 5.11, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, and some of us are dabbling in the fruitless deeds of darkness. We're participating in it, and it says have nothing to do with it, don't even mess with it, but rather expose them, and I'm going to do that today. I'm going to expose the devil for who he is. Are you ready for this? If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, just simply, the devil is real. The devil is real. He's not a symbol of evil. He's not a metaphor. He's not a cosmic force. He's not a nasty thing in a red jumpsuit. He's a person. Uh, He's an angel. He's a fallen angel. The Bible uh, uh, tells us there are many angels, a lot of angels. It names three of them. The angel Gabriel, the angel Michael, and the angel Lucifer. And they once all resided in heaven, and a specific event took place before the Bible account started. We don't, we're not sure when, but it's recorded in Scripture in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. If you want to read that, it's Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. The Bible records a time where basically uh, Lucifer said, all this worship that I'm leading for you, all this worship that's going for you, God, I want it to go to me. I'd like to have it for myself. And God said, I don't think so. That's the Ryland paraphrase of that whole story for you. And God cast Lucifer, Satan, the devil, out of heaven. Jesus saw it. And he says in Luke 10, 18, I saw Satan fall like lightning out of heaven. That's funny. It's just... Like, we think it's this big battle, but when God decided to get in on the fight that was happening, it wasn't a big power struggle. It wasn't like God barely got him down. 
No, it was just lasted a millisecond. Jesus says, when my dad decided to get involved, there was nothing to it. It wasn't a four-hour Marvel superhero movie. It was just like, boom, roll the credits. We're done. That's it. Revelation records it. Uh, We see it again, Revelation 12. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. So this is before God got involved. It's just angel to angel. But say these words with me. He was not strong enough. Say them again. He was not strong enough. If you're a believer, he is not strong enough. I will amen myself up here. I will do it. And they lost their place in heaven. A third of the angels went with them. The great dragon was hurled down and the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was, notice this, hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So that's where he's operating right now. And he's operating against you. Uh, these aren't in your notes, but John twelve thirty one says uh, he's the ruler of this world. And we look at the world and, and we go, okay, duh. Now I know why all this stuff's happening. All the evil that happens, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. He's the God of, of this age, little G God. Ephesians 2, 2. He's the prince of power of the air. 1 John 5, 19. The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And that's some of the verses that tell us about the dynamic of that's happening on the earth right now. Here's the second thing you need to know if you're taking notes. The devil is at war with us. He is strategically scheming to destroy you. And if you say, well, I don't believe that, that doesn't make it go away. If you don't fight, that that doesn't mean he won't still attack. And this is how often he wins, is he just convinces us that it's not real, that he's not real. And that's a pretty easy way for an enemy to win, right? Right? if the enemy can convince the foe that they're not real in the first place and don't even worry about them. And that's how often we lose these battles is we just forget that there's a battle. And so one of the greatest gifts I can give you is an awareness of this. And there's not just one verse on this, there's many, but let's look at 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9. It says, be alert and of sober mind. It's saying, wake up. Wake up. Be self-controlled, be alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. And a lion doesn't just come out and say, I'm here, you might as well lie down, I'm going to take you out. No, he prowls around and he sneaks up on you. And he's looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith. You know, in the temptations of Jesus, um, it's a recorded time where the devil opposes Jesus himself. You can read it in Matthew 4 and in Luke 4. Same story, but, but two different uh, writings of that. And when the enemy came after Jesus, of course Jesus defeated the enemy. But the Bible tells us that the devil left for an opportune time. It says the devil left for another opportune time. He says, you've won today. I'll see if I can get you another day. And that's how he operates. He looks for an opportune time. And he's a fallen angel, so he makes it look good. That's why sin looks good at first. It's often dressed in good things. It's often deceiving. But don't be deceived. He's out to devour. And he ain't going to stop at just one good time. He's out to devour you. Here's the next one. The devil has power. 
The devil has power. Kind of makes sense that the devil is on earth and that it's powerful, doesn't it? Now, I, I get this question, can a Christian be possessed of the devil or of a demon if the Spirit of God also lives inside you? No, it can't. if the Spirit of God lives inside you, it cannot house both the Spirit and the devil. But Christians can still be harassed and oppressed and attacked by the enemy, and you can suffer greatly into his hands. But you have more to do with that than you know. This next verse is, is talking about anger, but it's, there's an important detail, detail to it. We've looked at this one the last few weeks, Ephesians 4.26. In your anger, do not sin. So we all get angry from time to time. But when you do, don't let it get too far. You know, you let it go a couple of days, and then it's three Christmases, and you haven't even talked. Don't let it go too far. Don't, don't let it get out of control. Don't let it be unresolved. Do not let the sun even go down while you're still angry. So all of us sin, but don't stay in your sin, because if you stay in it, you give the devil a foothold. Don't give the devil a foothold. And the enemy loves unresolved sin. So don't, don't get paranoid when you mess up. And don't be so frustrated about when you mess up. Resolve it. Don't, don't let it hang there. Resolve it. Reconcile. Confess it. You have a lot to do. How, how you respond to your sin has a lot to do with how much you're going to suffer into the devil's hands. How long are you going to let it leave in there? How long are you going to do? How long are you going to stay in that sin? How long are you going to go without confessing it? How long are you going to go without reconciling that relationship? But here's the next one, and I'll give you some good news with this one. The devil is subject to our God. He trembles at our God. He already had one fight that lasted a second once God got in. He trembles at our God. And when you align yourself with God, you become just as victorious as God over the devil. This is why the Bible says, 1 John 4, 4, you, dear children, wonderful people of Rockbrook Church, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. I'm not so great. You're not so great. But the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And I think what might surprise you guys is how much I really believe this. That there's a dynamic going on, a spiritual warfare dynamic that too many overlook. And we forget to respond in the spiritual just as much as we do in the natural. Now, I'm not saying don't respond in the natural. So like, if you get sick, go to the doctor. But our first response is going to be to get together and take our stand and fight this and have a spiritual response. So let me tell you what I'm not saying here. I'm not saying that uh, I go around and there's a devil under every rock. If I run out of gas, that wasn't the quick trip demon in my gas tank. That's just I forgot, okay? So don't hear that. But what I'm going to constantly remember is that there's more going on spiritually and what's happening around me has a spiritual component, a spiritual element. What's going on in our nation is spiritual. It's not just natural. It's a spiritual 
issue going on in the world, in our country. And we're going to attack this thing spiritually. The Bible says you're in a fight and you need to learn how to fight. I want to show you an interesting verse that we can just set up because I want to show you how to fight this fight. How to fight it in your family, how to fight it personally. Okay, so you can do this in in your family. 2 Corinthians 10.34 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. So you don't attack the devil with bombs and guns and even some of the modern ways to solve it. The weapons we fight with, so it assumes you're fighting. It assumes that if you're a believer, you're fighting. Our weapons are different. They are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Two amazing words there. Strongholds uh, comes from the Greek, and that word means any lie that the devil can have you trapped in slavery. That has you pinned down, that has you trapped, that's a stronghold. Any lie that's completely against the word of God. And believing it, can make it a reality in your life. The word, the word demolish means to violently cast it down. There's nothing passive about it. And people want to kumbaya God. You know, we talked about this a few weeks ago. They want a Stepford Wives God that they can just put the chip in and he's perfectly sweet all the time. But you got to buckle up and strap on and dress for battle and realize there's part of your Christianity that is communion with God and there's another part that's confrontation with the enemy. Stand your ground. Fight your fight. It's not passive. And so we've got to fight with weapons. Well, what are those weapons? They're not the weapons that the world has. What are our weapons? And if I've got weapons, how do I use them? I just want to give you clearly uh, three weapons found in the scriptures that you have and that you can use. The first one is the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. So many of our songs just, they just boast in the name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. Why? Because names have power. Names have power. Cancer is a powerful name. Debt is a powerful name. Addiction is a powerful name. Depression, if you've ever been depressed, you know it's a powerful name. But there's good news. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And there is a name that carries weight. My name doesn't carry weight. Your name doesn't carry weight, but you can carry a name that carries weight. I remember uh, when I was a kid. So I've got a brother who's almost 10 years older than me. So even while I was still a little kid, he was out doing stuff and driving and everything else. And my parents um, often put it on me to go find my brother. Find him, whatever he's doing, wherever he is. And so go tell your brother it's time for dinner. And so I'd go down to the garage and he's installing a car stereo and I'd say, it's time for dinner. And I'd go back upstairs and he wouldn't really say anything. And my mom and dad would say, where did you go tell Andrew? I said, yes, he didn't do anything. Dad would say, go tell Andrew, dad says, it's time for dinner. So I go back down, uh, Andrew, uh, dad, dad says it's time for dinner. Okay. And he'd stand up and go up to dinner. 
Why? Because my name didn't mean, but I was carrying a name that carried some weight. Dad says, and it's different. So there's a name that carries some weight. And Jesus' name carries weight. That at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. It operates there. It operates here. It operates there. And every tongue acknowledged that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So how do I use this name? What do I do? What do I do with the name? Well, Romans 10, 13 says, call on the name. Call on the name. Use the name. Open up your mouth and sing the name. Worship the name. Say, I know you're powerful. Anxiety, I know you're powerful. My past, I know you're powerful. But I proclaim the name of Jesus is the ruling name. And demons have to line up and salute at the name of Jesus. And this is why we pray in Jesus' name. Who, who are we praying to? Well, technically, when you're praying, you're praying to God. You're praying to God the Father in Jesus' name. Okay, in Jesus' name. It's powerful because some people are praying to another God. And when you go to another country and you say, can I pray? You say, can I pray in Jesus' name? Because he's the only way to God. I'm praying in Jesus' name because there it has power. And when we pray in Jesus' name, we're saying this prayer is powerful now. And we're saying Jesus is the only way to God. And we're using the name, we're worshiping the name, and we're coming under the name. And we declare that his name is higher. Since, uh, since 21 days of prayer, where we launch, 21 days of prayer at the beginning of the year, where we pray first, is where we launch this attack. And I've been praying this prayer over you, uh, where I just, I name the names of the things that you're dealing with. Uh, the things that I've seen that have come in prayer request after prayer request after prayer request. And I just name the names just to be your prayer covering. And this is the prayer I pray. Heavenly Father, I bow in praise and worship before you. And I surrender myself and this church completely and unreservedly in every area of our life to you. We take a stand against the devil and resist all the endeavors of Satan and his wicked spirits to rob us of the will of God. So in the name of Jesus... I take authority over bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, hate, malice, envy, jealousy, insecurity, inferiority, fear, rejection, self-pity, self-hate, anger, rage. I just name the names. Murder, violence, sexual immorality, impurity, adultery, fornication, and lust, pornography, pride, lying, lying spirits, rebellion, deception, manipulation, control, criticism, judgmentalism, arrogance, prejudice, racism, greed, materialism, selfishness, covetousness, selfish ambition, depression, anxiety, worry, suicide, self-destruction, addiction, dependency, alcoholism, drunkenness, drugs, obesity, rebellion to authority, heresy, false doctrine, stealing, slothfulness, laziness, unbelief, guilt, shame, embarrassment, humiliation, words, curses, spells, witchcraft, the occult, blasphemy, sickness, disease, 
I declare that the name of Jesus is higher than you. And in in his name I pray, amen. Amen. Yeah, you better clap for that church, come on. His name is higher. And his name is stronger. And that's being prayed over you. All right, you wanna know your second weapon? There's nothing passive about this. That's why I'm fired up today. I'm trying to instill something in you. I'm trying to wake something back up inside of you that there's a fight going on. Do you want to know your second weapon? It's the word of God. It's the word of God. The word of God is power. Everything we do in this church has a biblical basis. If it's not biblical, I'm not interested in doing it. If it's not biblical, I'm not interested in doing it in my life. If you don't have a verse, don't do it. If you don't have a verse, don't waste your time on it. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive, and it's active, and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. And all throughout scripture, it talks about the word of God as this metaphor as a sword. And a sword is an offensive weapon. Now catch this, don't miss this. It's the only offensive weapon listed in the armor of God. So let's go back to the original verse we started with that we're anchored in today, Ephesians 6, starting in verse 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation. And so all these have been defensive. And you got to put it on because you don't run out into battle with just a sword. You got to put some armor on. But now that you've got the defense on, now that you got the armor on, pick up the offensive weapon, pick up the sword, the sword of the spirit, which if in case you've forgotten, is the word of God, the only offensive weapon. That's what Jesus did when the devil came for him. On all three occasions, when the devil came for him, in the temptations of Jesus, he responded with scripture. And the devil would try to pollute scripture or misconstrue it or use it to deceive, and Jesus would come back with the truth of scripture. It's a weapon. Treat it like one. Quote it. Carry it, internalize it, believe it, use it, change the verses into the first person. Pastor Kelly's taught us this many times. I just, I just say it in the first person. Though the righteous fall seven times, I will rise again. I will rise again. Use them as a weapon. Use the verses as a weapon against your enemy. Read it, learn it, quote it. Use it as your weapon. It is your sword. It's your sword. Third weapon. Third weapon is the power of the cross. It's the power of the cross, the cross of Jesus, which defeated the devil. The cross was a way, it was the way to save you from your sins, but that wasn't all of it. That was a big part of it, but that wasn't all of it. Because after Jesus paid the penalty and after he died for your sins, he went to the depths and he stood the devil face to face and he says, I've paid it. 
I've paid it all. I just paid for everything. Hand over the keys. And he snatched the keys back that he could have control over your eternal destiny. Not even death has power over you. Not even death could control your eternal destiny. And this is why he says in his resurrected body to John, he says, I'm the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys. I hold the keys now to death and to Hades. I hold your ultimate future. The cross didn't just make way for forgiveness of our sins. It didn't just pay for our sins. It conquered death. And now, whatever the devil can throw at you, Jesus has already won. And I I don't care what the outcome is now. Because I know that ultimately, we win. I spend eternity in heaven with God. God has the keys to my life. God has the keys to my future. How How do you use this weapon? How do you use it? Revelation 12, 11 says, They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So I just, I just say my testimony. I just pull out the weapon of the cross and I say my testimony, I'm saved. I was gonna have to pay for my own sins. And I was going to have to go where people have to go to pay for their sins. I was going to have to go to hell to pay for my sins. And God stepped in. And he made a way where there was no way. And I'm saved. I'm healed. I'm delivered from every evil attack. God has forgiven. You're looking at a forgiven man today. He healed me. He's redeemed my life from the pit. He's crowned me, Ryland Walter, with love and compassion. He satisfies my desires with good things. And he placed my feet on a rock and he transformed me. And my youth is renewed. Oh, my soul, why are you downcast? Your youth is renewed like the eagles. It's a... what I'm saying is how we start every service. So that video that plays for service, that's Psalm 103. That's our testimony. That's your testimony. And you might say this makes for a good church service, Ryland, and you're real fired up, and I wasn't expecting that. And, but you ought to spend a week with me and see what it's really like. And see what it's really like out there and see what it's really like in, in my family and in my life. Let me leave you with one final thought. Where we've been this whole series, Romans 8.35. Does it mean he no longer loves us? If we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death, does it mean he no longer loves us? And then it's going to go on to say, Um, that you've forgotten what it says in scripture. (laughs) You you forgot what the attack's going to be like and you forgot what the final book reads and you forgot what's really going on. Because in all these things, write it down, we are more than conquerors. 
And with the weapons you have, the devil doesn't stand a chance. And just say that with me. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. We are what? More than conquerors. We are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Let's pray together. Lord, encourage your church today. Father, encourage the single parent. Encourage that marriage that's just hanging on by a thread. Encourage that person who can't make ends meet. Encourage that person who has strongholds in their life that need to be demolished. Help us to confront our enemy with the powerful weapons you've given us. If you don't believe this, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ and haven't surrendered to him, you'll never win on your own. You won't. You won't win on your own. And you need to fully surrender your life to Jesus Christ and just say, God, I hear you, I hear you inviting me to come home. I hear your, you inviting me into something powerful, I hear you saying my feet can be on a rock and I believe in you, I trust in you and I'm surrendering my life to you. Thank you for your grace. God, thank you for grace. That where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. That where evil abounds, grace abounds even more. Grace over our past, grace over our failures, but also grace into our future. And God, we just stand in the power of your grace tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.